Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 187. At the end of the episode, I will play a short story from Twisted Reunion. Today's short story is Twisted Memory. That was a fun one to write. Enjoyed that one. That's one dealing with brain damage. So hopefully you guys will dig that. First, we got to talk about the week. A lot of, this is a different week, for sure different. Big part of it was having a new kitten, which means at five o'clock or so in the morning, I hear him crying in my son's room. I have to jump out of bed, feed him, take care of him. He's here now. Driving me nuts, making all kinds of little noise. But he's also really cute. So that's Leo. We weren't planning on getting an extra cat, but my son is very good at manipulating us and has very, very sad crocodile tears. Well, they actually, they were real tears. He was in love with this cat. My niece had been fostering him, had to give him back, and he just really wanted this guy. So we got him i was like well what's one more cat and teach him some responsibility making him take care of more stuff so cat's cute he's been sleeping in my on my belly a lot under my shirt i carry him around one of the cats hates him midnight hates the cat so that's causing some tension in the house but other than that cute little thing not a big deal enjoying that the other big thing i did this week was not write that much so i could go hang out with friends that's something i do not do I used to make a time all all the time when I would go train jiu-jitsu or something like that. I wouldn't it wouldn't be a big deal to go drive down to LA or Pasadena or Huntington Beach, wherever, go train, hang out, come back on a day's shot. So that used to be the case. Now it's like, okay, I'm gonna work out real quick at home if I do it all, and then I'm gonna just work. I wanna work from you know 9 30, 10 o'clock till I gotta pick up the kids either at 1 30 or 2 30. So this week, though, my friend Dan, he called me up, high school friend, and he had reservations for a place at the beach. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go. I told Jake, I was like, oh, man, I was like, I'd rather not go down to the beach today. That's like three hours, four hours. I won't be able to write. But then Jake was asking me, like, well, isn't he your friend? And how long have you known him? And don't you like the beach? And you should just go. And you always tell me to go play with my friends. So you should go play with your friends. So I listened to my son, and I went and I played with Dan. It was cool. We had an awesome time. Great breakfast. It was good hanging out, talk about old memories, new plans, all that kind of stuff. So that was awesome. I'm glad I did it. The following day, or it might have been on Wednesday, I worked out with George. That was awesome because we hadn't been working out as much as we used to. And so reconnecting with him was great, just catching up. Then that night, my buddy Fortunato came over to talk about music he doesn't live very close so anytime he's down in the area i always appreciate him making the time to come down i've been having trouble writing the song for death fest that was gonna be much easier than it is but that the session with nato helped a ton uh helped me break down the songs what they might sound like how they can go and what other real songs you know they sound similar to so we had a good time with that it was cool hanging out with him and then yesterday I took off the entire writing day to go see my buddy, Anthony Johnson. He was my co-host on the previous podcast I had, Unlocking. He was on there for a long time, but man, we were such good friends, training partners. He was my yogi. Uh, 
earlier in the week, I had I was looking at Facebook memories. I think they're from six years ago of Jake and Olivia doing jiu-jitsu and yoga with Anthony, which was really cool at the 10th Planet Youth Center. As Anthony was one of the coaches there. So that was really cool to go visit him because his son is about to turn one. And I still hadn't had a chance to see him. I just hadn't connected. Anthony's working full time and they're hardly around. It's far. Yesterday, he didn't have to work because the job site was closed. He called me up, went down there. It was awesome. Got to hang out with him, catch up with him, see his son. And that was really cool because I remember the conversations that Anthony and I used to have about, you know, not sure whether or not he should have kids, if he'd be a good dad, just a lot of stuff like that. He's a lot younger than I am. And so it was always cool being able to talk with him. But it was good. It was good to get away. There that, there wouldn't have been a better use of my time yesterday than to go hang out. Or on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, to hang out with any of my friends instead of working. You know, I could work at any time. It's something that I forget. I tell myself that, but telling yourself one thing and believing it all are two different things, at least for me. But... That was what I did. So yeah, not any real writing this week. Went over notes that Glenn gave me from Deathfest. I was going to start on trying to die in at Ghostland, rereading through that and starting to work on the death scenes for Duncan Ralston. But I was like, ah, I had so much of this stuff going on. My mind thinking about the songs, like, okay, if I finish those songs, then I could put that to rest for a bit. Then I put all my attention on the Ghostland. So that is the game plan. Another cool thing I did this week was get a lot more guitar and bass in. I haven't been playing much music, but what I've been doing is <laughs> mornings are a little bit crazy. Just driving kids back and forth to school. First, I take my son. Then I have about 10, 15 minutes before I take my daughter. So I've been trying to play music in those 15 minutes really quick. This week, I think two days, I picked up her bass. I usually don't try bass, but it is just seems so much easier. It's kind of fun. But yes, yeah, so I go between that and guitar, either electric or the acoustic. And I'm not very good at any of them, but it's relaxing. It works my brain. That's why I do it. So I've been having fun with it. And it, on Musician, which is the app I use, they have a lot of Metallica, which is cool. And a good amount of, a good variety of stuff. I, I often play a lot of classical, especially if I'm on acoustic guitar. I, I tend to like that. But I play melodies more than anything else so what else what else oh this is my new desk setup this is where i've been filming all my tiktok videos i got a brand new computer pc that my son and i share and by sharing i mean he's used it probably 12 times i've used it once i still need to get all my stuff on there it's my fault i'm not using it i'll use it today to chop up the podcast and do some other stuff but really cool gaming it's alienware pretty awesome now i gotta actually use it get all my files on there good thing i did this week was plan a bunch of sales of books so right now audiobook sales are going on we got try not to die in Brightside audiobook the messiah audiobook and unlocking audiobook each 299 so that's pretty cool because all of those ebooks are either free or on sale. Trans Day in Brightside is free today through the 17th. Unlocking the Cage and Ain't No Messiah are on sale until the 21st. Those are only 99 cents. So if you want to pick those up, that'd be awesome. Unlocking the Cage is about my experiences going around the country, interviewing MMA fighters, trying to understand who they are, why they fight. It's to try to understand why I fought when I sucked at it. 
So I can never understand that. That book, that journey helped me with that. And then Ain't No Messiah is about the second coming of Christ, possible second coming of Christ. This guy who's not very bright, also kind of into porn, makes a lot of bad decisions. Can't believe he's a second coming of Christ. But the entire world is voting on whether or not he should kill himself in order to try to save the world. And he also can't seem to die. So I don't know what's up with that. But read the book to find out or listen to it. So all the audiobook sales are through Chirp, Spotify, Apple, Barnes and Noble, and ebooks you can get anywhere except the Train Up to Die series is only on Kindle, but the ebook, the other two books are on all platforms. So wherever you buy ebooks, you can pick those up. All right, guys, I have two cats that want the hell out of this room. So I'm gonna go let them out, chop this up, write a newsletter, get everything done, maybe do some yoga. Have an awesome Friday. Hope you guys do as well. And I will talk to you next week. Here is Twisted Memory. This is off of Twisted Reunion, a collection of 28 horror stories. Hopefully you guys enjoy this one. I know I had fun writing it. This is narrated by T. Quillen. All right, guys, have an amazing week, and I will talk to you later. Peace. Twisted Memory The key wouldn't turn. The goddamn lock was always sticking. Tom slid out the key to examine it, making sure he had the right one, and then he shoved it back in. The deadbolt still wouldn't move. Tom pounded his fist against the door. Gina, open up! That bitch must have changed the lock while he was out. He banged his fist again. A man shouted from inside the apartment. What the hell's going on? She had a man in his apartment? Open the goddamn door. Huge, clonking footsteps came toward him, and the door whipped open. A heavy-set Hispanic man filled the doorway. With a scowl on his face, he asked, What the hell's your problem? Tom's heart was pounding so hard, he didn't even hear his fist striking the man's mouth. The man stumbled backward into the apartment. Tom followed, slammed the door shut behind him, and ran after the guy, who was trying to hide behind the couch. Tom grabbed the guy's collar and looked into his soulless eyes. Gina and this asshole probably laughed about Tom when they had sex. Before the bastard could ask for forgiveness, Tom threw a devastating elbow at his head. A loud crack filled the apartment. The man's legs gave. Tom dropped him and rammed a knee into his chest then shoved him into the cheap particle board entertainment center. An ancient 13-inch tube television set crashed to the floor next to the broken man. Tom wondered where his 42-inch flat screen and the mahogany piece it sat on had disappeared to. Figuring Gina had let her lover sell Tom's stuff for crack money, Tom yelled for her. Get out here, Gina! He stood over the crumpled man, woke him with a kick. Get out here now, Gina! or you're going to end up like your boyfriend. The man spit out a mouthful of blood and held his jaw as he mumbled, No one's here. Fuck, man, you got the wrong place. Tom kicked him in his thigh. She's got ten seconds. You better call her. There's no Gina here. Never even heard of her. The man used his shoddy entertainment center to get back to his feet. He motioned to the frames on the wall. This is my place. Look at the pictures. Not about to look away and get sucker-punched, Tom pushed the man's chest, sending him into the hallway. 
He planned on knocking the damn liar out when he rebounded off the wall. But the bastard must have seen it coming, somehow stopping himself and taking off down the hallway, racing for the bedroom. Tom flew after him before the man could get hold of Gina or call the cops, but the guy was already shutting the door behind him. Tom threw his body at it before it closed all the way. A loud grunt came from the other side of the door as it popped open, spilling Tom inside the strangely decorated bedroom. There were balloons all over the walls, something Gina must have done earlier that morning. The intruder spun his arms and stopped himself before hitting the crib. Why is there a crib, Tom thought, as the man picked up the cordless phone in his left hand and a baseball bat in the other. Put my shit down now, Tom yelled, even though he didn't recognize the bat. It was bright red. Tom realized it was plastic. I'm calling the cops. Tom could barely contain a chuckle. <laughs> You're going to call the cops on yourself? I don't think so. Put my shit down and maybe I'll let you leave. Back off, the man waved the bat back and forth. I mean it. Tom took another step, the length of the crib between them. So do I. You got any idea how fucked you are? The deluded guy looked down at his bat. Tom lunged forward, placed one hand on the end of the bat, and twisted, the robber's wrist snapping in a satisfying crunch. The robber's surprised cry was silenced when Tom chucked the bat and began pummeling the side of the man's head until his arm grew heavy. The loud smacks splashing blood over Tom's face. The man was begging him to stop through his sliced lip when a baby cried. Tom let the man drop next to the light blue dresser and walked over to the crib. A baby, red-faced and squishy, wailed. What the hell is this? Tom asked. It's my kid, man. Come on, please. I don't know any Gina. A quick search reassured Tom that Gina wasn't there for some unknown reason. He picked up the brown leather wallet that the amateur had left on the entryway table and stuffed it into his front pocket. Figured he should hold on to it just in case. He didn't even know. His head was spinning as he walked out. The mid-morning sun blinded him as he walked onto the sidewalk. Disoriented, he looked up and down the block, searching for his convertible Boxster. He clearly remembered parking on the north side of the street, but his car was nowhere to be found. I drove it, didn't I? Tom could still hear the baby crying inside his head. He dug his keys out of his left pocket, tossing aside a one-way bus ticket from Folsom he must have picked up by accident. He went to press the panic alarm on the remote, only to realize there was no remote. His shiny apartment key and a worn key for Gina's Honda were all that was left. The Porsche key must have fallen off the ring earlier that morning. Some rotten son of a bitch must have come across it and stolen the car. Instead of making himself sick thinking about it, Tom decided he would file a report with the police after he found Gina. He had to make sure she was okay. If he was so materialistic that he placed his car above her, he didn't deserve to be called her boyfriend. A cab turned the corner. Tom had his first break of the day, flagging it down with a wave of his finger. It wasn't until he slid into the passenger side of the back seat and the driver asked him where he was headed that Tom realized he had no idea where he could find Gina. The bald cabbie looked into his rear view. You doing okay, brother? 
My girl, I need to find her. Make sure she's all right. Not a problem. Where she live? Tom motioned toward the apartment he'd just come out of. With me. At least she did until this morning. Her stuff's gone. Damn, tough break. The cabbie turned his attention back to the street. So where you want to go? I don't know. Someone stole my Porsche. After a brief hesitation, the cabbie asked, You got any money? Because uh, I ain't running a charity carriage. Yeah, Tom said, having no idea if he did or didn't. With everything that had happened, he was scared to look in his wallet. Then he remembered the guy and the baby. Sure enough, two hundred bucks and some change. So, where to? Tom looked back at the street, at the apartment building. It did look different than he remembered. The cabbie said, Any idea where she might be? I kinda gotta get moving. Sirens sounded in the distance. Go ahead and drive up the street a bit. You got an address? I need to radio it in. Her sister lives in Santa Clarita, pretty close to Six Flags. Gina might be with her. That's an hour away. I got the money. All that mattered was Gina. Tom took the cash and waved it in the air for the cabbie to see. Raising his voice so he could be heard above the approaching sirens, Tom said, This is more than enough. Here's a 20 in case you think I'm going to stiff you. I just need to stop at a phone booth first and get her sister's address. The cabbie told him to keep it as he started the meter, pulled away from the curb, and headed north. When Tom put the bills back into his wallet, he noticed that the back of his hand was speckled with bright red drops. By the time the cabbie found a phone booth with a directory inside it, Tom had wiped the drops off his hands, did the best he could with the spots on the front of his denim jacket. It didn't take him long to find Gina's sister in the book, but there was a surprise. Her address was listed as Pasadena, not Santa Clarita. Gina never mentioned her sister was considering moving. Tom ripped the page from the directory and got back into the cab. Good news, she's not far from here. You sure it's the right person? You want to try calling her? It's her. I'd rather just show up. Ten minutes later, the cab stopped in front of an unfamiliar house. The cabbie motioned toward the red Porsche 911 in the driveway and chuckled. Is that your car? No. Why? Eh, you said yours was stolen. I thought maybe your girl took it. My car's in the shop. I hate blue. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. The cabbie checked the meter. That'll be $60. The cabbie studied Tom to see if he was aware that he was ripping him off. Tom tossed him a hundred and got out of the cab. Do me a favor and keep it running. I might need a ride back. He headed for the porch before the cabbie could say no. The front door opened. Joan, whose hair was now streaked with gray, was on her cell phone. Her jaw dropped mid-sentence when she recognized Tom. Surprise! I didn't know you guys moved. You should have told me. She sounded like a robot when she said, I've got to go. She hung up and started dialing someone new, probably the cops. Tom ripped the cell from her hand, tossed it on the grass. He was about to ask Gina when he noticed the silver necklace around Joan's neck. That's Gina's, 
No, it's mine. I gave it to her for our anniversary. Joan slowly shook her head. You shouldn't be here. I can't believe they let you out. Not knowing who they were or from where they had supposedly let him out, Tom focused on the necklace. There was no denying the G-inscribed heart pendant belonged to Gina. Tom took a step into the doorway. Where is she? Joan shrieked and tried to slam the door on Tom. Not about to let some nutty chick get the best of him, Tom lowered his shoulder and drove forward, knocking Joan back into her house. He shut the door and pinned Joan against the wall before she could scream. What the hell's your problem? I'm looking for Gina to make sure she was okay. She wasn't at home. Joan tried to slap him, but he knocked her hand away. Stop it, he said. I'm trying to protect her. Where is she? Joan tore at his face with her free hand. Tom grabbed each of her wrists and crushed them against the wall. Tell me where she is. You sick fuck. Joan kneed Tom's groin, folded him over. He lost his grip on Joan, and she dashed to the phone in the kitchen, picked it up, and punched three buttons. Tom ignored the pain, fought the urge to vomit. Hang up the phone, Joan. Joan backed up to the wall, her eyes looking around her, probably searching for a weapon. She took a deep breath and said she needed help. She said Tom's name. Tom stepped toward her. Tell them you called by mistake and that everything's okay. He's a convicted murderer. He killed my sister twelve years. Tom yelled. Hang it up and give me Gina's necklace. He kept screaming, trying to block out Joan's words repeating in his head. Killed my sister. Joan begged the dispatcher to hurry. Tom didn't ask any more questions. She obviously wasn't ready to tell him where Gina was. He tore the landline off the wall, wrapped his hands around Joan's throat. It was so soft, just like Gina's. Tom closed the front door behind him, then got into the cab. The driver eyed him and asked if everything was okay. No, but she was here, he held up the necklace and said, she left this by accident. Her sister asked if I could return it to her. So, where to? Tom stuffed the necklace into his pocket, noticing he hadn't got all that sticky red paint off. Her mom and dad live nearby. <laughs>